0: morning everyone oh thank you (laughs) all of our songs this morning and scripture readings have talked about um, promise the promise of God I want to talk this morning about things that start with great promise Uh, marriage starts with great promise in fact a great promise right to love and honor and cherish one another now and forever till death do us part And if you start thinking about having a family with kids, that whole idea is full of promise as you imagine all the things that they could be and all the things (laughs) you'll experience. Uh, Maybe some of you have gotten a new job or new career this year, and there's a sense of great promise as that starts of uh, where that could all go and what it could be like in five years once you get your feet underneath you. Uh, Even our own lives are full of promise. If you're very young, or you can remember when you were very young, you think of all the things you're gonna be, Uh, healthy and strong and successful, and it's it's all full of promise. It's like we're born with an irresistible hope inside of us. We're going to be sharing some stories from your brothers and sisters here in Lakeland this morning. These were stories they sent in to us. We had someone else read these stories because not everyone here wanted to be known, but they all wanted to share their story with you.
1: Once upon a time is part of every little girl's hopes and dreams. I used to make believe that I would marry the man of my dreams. When I was 18, that guy entered my life.
2: My wife and I had decided not to try to get pregnant, but not to prevent ourselves from getting pregnant either. I honestly didn't think that there would be any problems.
3: My hope has always been to be normal weight. I remember when I was three or four, I was running around the house without a shirt and my parents jokingly said, look at that big belly.
0: Things that start with a great promise are scriptures. Start with a great promise. In fact, the ornament hung here today represents the scriptures, the prophets, and their scrolls, which begin with great promise. And we're going to jump in right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 12, where God introduces himself to a man named Abram. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And that promise is so important that God repeats it again in Genesis chapter 22. And through your descendants, all the nations on earth will be blessed. And God is so excited about this that he tells it to Abraham's son again in Genesis 26. Through your descendants, all the nations on earth will be blessed. Just so we know as the scripture begins that the Old Testament is going to be the story of how God takes first one man and then one nation and uses them to introduce himself to the whole world as the God who loves us and has loved us all along. Now, we're going to check in a thousand years later in 2 Samuel. So now it's about 900 B.C., and we're going to see how the promise is going. So they are a nation now. However, they are not reaching the world. King David is on the throne now. And for all the good things we've ever said about King David, and, and we'll continue to say, I think we also have to say what Dr. Babb said when he spoke here a few weeks ago. King David is not what you would call an emotionally healthy person. If you've read the story, those of you who are chuckling, have. You know he's probably, okay, he's the worst father and husband in the entire scriptures. He cheats on his wife with another man's wife, and then to cover it up, has that other man murdered He ignores the fighting and abuse that's going on among his own children so that by the end of the scriptures, they're all killing each other. I think the son of David that actually gets to the throne was like fifth in line. The rest knocked each other off. This is not the world reaching people of God that was promised. So, what does God do when the promise falters? He gives another promise. 2 Samuel chapter 7, he says to David, when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring. I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. A throne for the family of David that will last forever, even when the promise falters. Promises falter, don't they? Um, the marriage promise falters. I thought after we said our vows, Ashley and I had one of the greatest marriages in the world until the police showed up at our door. We'd been arguing so loudly, and someone had thrown a plastic cup and it shattered. Not at anybody, more like you know how gorillas throw <laughs> logs in their poop and <laughs> the display of dominance. A cup shattered so loudly that the neighbors were sure someone must be hurt, and they dialed 911. The marriage promise falters. The promise that you're going to have kids and they're going to turn out a certain way falters. That new career path, you know, you slip a little on the career path, or you fall flat on your face, it falters. Uh, We ourselves don't turn out to be as healthy and strong as we thought we'd be. The promise falters.
1: When I was 18, the man of my dreams entered my life. However, my marriage was filled with addictions, gambling, pornography, affairs. I always held on to hope that I could change him, that I would be worth it, and he would stop.
2: When my wife and I decided that we wanted to start a family with kids, Little did I know that we would embark on a six-plus-year journey. I trusted God, but I definitely didn't understand why we could not have children when so many people who didn't deserve kids were getting pregnant, and yet we weren't.
3: When I was three or four, my mother told me that I needed to learn to suck my stomach in like all the models do. All the while, I was being sexually, physically, and mentally abused. I began to use food to build a big, fat wall that would keep away the attention of men. Yet, I was always dieting. I tried all kinds of diets, even ex-lax.
0: And just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. It gets even worse. The promise doesn't just falter, it it flies completely off the rails. And irresistible hope we're born with becomes an impossible dream. Marriage flies off the rails. Family hopes completely derail. The career path, we come completely off of it. I once prayed for two years for a career change. I interviewed for a job, I, I didn't get it, and then after two years... I got the job I had prayed for. And within 30 days, I knew it was a mistake. I kept hoping it would get better. It was, after all, what I had prayed for for two years. It never did. One day I found myself pulling over on 291 because I was too sick to drive, dry heaving on the shoulder of the road. Another panic attack. The job had become so stressful that I got sick every week on a certain day at a certain time. Career comes off the rails. Our own bodies rebel against us and go off the rails on a crazy train. The promise is lost and we're left in hopelessness.
1: I had that hope that I could still change him. That hope ended one morning when he left for work. He kissed me goodbye and said that he loved me. That was the last time I said to him, I love you too. Later that evening, he was arrested. He had been having a coerced sexual relationship with a neighbor girl from the time she was 13 until she was 21. I packed us up and moved to subsidized housing.
2: We decided to explore adoption. We tried to go through DFS, but for whatever reason, we just never got a call. Next, we tried a domestic adoption. The last month of the pregnancy, the mother decided to keep the child. That broke my wife's heart.
3: After years of abusing my own body, I suffered a back injury that left me bedridden for a month I was close to 290 pounds. For days, I had to crawl on my belly in order to get to the bathroom. I thought I could pray away the pain if I had enough faith. It didn't work for me.
0: And what about that promise God made to King David in 900 B.C. that his throne would last forever? Let's skip ahead just a couple hundred years in our scriptures and see how that's going. It's now 700 BC. King Ahaz is on the throne of Israel, and he's a descendant of David, so that's good news. He's only 20 years old when he takes the throne because his father's murdered. That's not such good news. Ahaz worships God and Baal and Molech. And any other pagan god he thinks may help. Israel's about to go to war, and he's desperate. And so he has his first son. And we all know how important first sons are, but particularly when you're a king. And Ahaz takes his newborn boy and places him into the mouth of a statue of Molech. And they light a fire at the base of the statue and burn the infant to ashes. A child sacrifice offered by a 20-year-old king who's desperate for some help in a war that's soon to start. This is the bottom of hopelessness. This is when the prophet Isaiah shows up, a man of God. The prophet Isaiah goes to King Ahaz and says, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough that you exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin, or in Hebrew, you can also for this same word say young girl, and I'm gonna say young girl for the time being because it goes with what happens next. Look, this young girl will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then Isaiah says, before that child is two years old, this enemy you're so afraid of will be removed from the earth. Well, some young gal in the house of Ahaz does have a baby. They do name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And before the child is two years old, that enemy they thought they were going to go to war with, the reason why they're sacrificing children on an altar of fire, somebody else comes along and destroys that kingdom. They never have to fight them. Oh, well, how's a scene, a miracle of God? Does he turn? No. He stays on his evil path with the human sacrifice and everything else. What does God do when the promise is gone and hopelessness is everywhere? He gives the promise again of a throne to last forever. Isaiah chapter 9 We have a son of David on the throne. His name is Ahaz, and he's a psychopath. God is still promising a king from that line who's going to be so good and pure and full of light that we'll call him Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace? Well, Isaiah's not the only one preaching this way. Fifty miles south, there's another preacher named Micah, and his sermons at that same time sound like this. But you... O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies. Until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. He will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. I mean, we get what Micah is trying to say. We know David was born in Bethlehem, and he thinks someone from that family will be born and take the throne, and set all this right, and even fulfill that original promise back in Genesis to reach the whole world. You almost feel sad for God and his prophets sometimes. They're so full of hope, even when for 1,300 years, nothing goes how it's supposed to. The children of Abraham didn't share their blessing with the world. The throne of David wasn't a throne of peace, and in fact, it gets even worse After 586 B.C., there is never a descendant of David on the throne of Israel again. It's almost like the dimmer the flame of hope gets, the more God gazes at it. It's like when the flame of hope is just a little glowy orange spot at the end of the wick... God can't or won't see the darkness closing in around it. We skip ahead 700 years to the opening of what we call the New Testament, Luke chapter 1. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin, and in Greek, virgin means virgin, To a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now we're supposed to say, oh, look, it could happen. She's a descendant of King David. You know, she's about as much a descendant of King David as some of you are a descendant of the royal family. In fact, how many of you know that you have? A relative in your family tree from the throne of England somewhere. How many? We had two in first service, and we get okay, good. You. So if something happens to Charles or William or Harry, you really expecting a phone call? You ready to step up? Yeah, it's not happening. She's about as related, she's about as related to King David as, as some of you are. But the scripture goes on. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, by the time Mary's hearing this, there hasn't been... A descendant of David on the throne for 500 years. Now Mary has to tell her fiancé this crazy story. Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. He did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. No kidding. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's right. The angel, or Matthew, tries to connect this birth about to happen to that birth that happened 700 years ago in Israel. That first birth, the child named Emmanuel was a sign that God was with them even in hopelessness. The first Emmanuel was ignored. Now there's another child. This child is also telling us God is with us. And not only that, but God saves. And this time, not just from a young girl, but from a virgin. Interestingly, the word used in Hebrew back in Isaiah could mean young girl or virgin. And now it has meant both. The first Emmanuel and now Jesus. And so, and it's completely unexpected way God keeps every promise that he made in the Old Testament a king who will last forever now Jesus has now been the most influential person on the face of the earth for 2,000 years you may this morning not like the influence Jesus has had on the world but you cannot deny it is profound no single person has captured the attention of so much of the world for so many years. For 2,000 years, his popularity and influence has never waned. Entire kingdoms have moved this way or that based on what they thought were the teachings of Jesus. Literacy was spread around the world just so people could read his story. There are languages on earth that only got their written alphabet so that someone would have a way to give them the written account of his story. There are more hospitals, treatment centers, organizations that serve the poor, named after Jesus and his followers than named after anybody and all their followers, all combined in all the earth. And no book has ever come as close to his story in terms of readership. What about that promise in Genesis that opened up and said, this is the point of the entire scripture, that God will reintroduce himself to the world as a God who loved us all along. Well, for someone who never left Israel except for a couple of years as a toddler, Jesus has been remarkably successful at fulfilling this promise. 804 million people living in the Americas say Jesus is the one who brought them to God. 566 million people in Europe 522 million in Africa and growing rapidly, say Jesus, brought them to God. 291 million in Asia and growing. 31% of the world, the largest single world religion, says Jesus, brought them to God. He fulfilled all the promises of the Old Testament and continues to fulfill them, even to this day, even as you hear it. Some of you have been there and have participated in the spreading of this good news that God has always loved us. The reason why God never gives up and gazes that flame of hope is because he knows at any moment he can breathe it back into life. You can always trust God and his promises. You are never a fool to hope in these words. There is always hope for your marriage. There is hope for your marriage this morning. If you have lost your marriage, there is hope for a new life for you in Christ. That night after the police showed up, my wife and I went to counseling. After several months, all her craziness was fixed. (laughs) Not a person in the room believes that's the way it went down. There was craziness fixed, but... Not so much hers. (laughs) Hope for family and children. If this story doesn't tell us anything, it tells us that God can bring children in unexpected ways. Now, I was told last year that I would have to wait for an overseas adoption for my next nephew. That I would have to wait seven years. That's how long the list was. So I was told last year that I would be 48 when I got my next nephew that uh, my children would be in college by the time their cousin arrived. But now I want to tell you that over Thanksgiving weekend, we celebrated the first birthday of our nephew who has been with us for a year. And I found out just a few weeks ago that there is a second nephew on the way. The Chinese adoption list moved a little faster than seven years, might actually just be here in a few weeks. So they'll be raised as, as twins. So now we have these twin nephews, Caucasian kid, kid from Asia, and they're gonna be raised by my brother who's a martial arts instructor. Now I would, I would, I would never want to saddle my nephews with my dreams, but <laughs> I... <laughs> Now, if you, don't, if you don't understand this reference, I, I haven't the time to explain it with, with this one know, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> but this is a story about hope. This is a story about hope. Careers, yes. Uh, seven years now, God has given me this career, and I have never thought it was a mistake. Some of you may have felt differently. <laughs> and your body. God can heal your body. He made it. Who knows better than he how to care for it? This candle we light is the candle of hope.
1: I packed us up and moved. But once away from the constant dysfunction, something happened. For the first time in my life, I realized that I had value. I had worth. I pulled closer to God rather than pulling away. God knew everything that had happened, brought all of the darkness into the light, and eventually freed me from it. God blessed me with a job that I have excelled at, and most recently a place that my children and I call home.
2: I remember praying a lot during this time. I just don't know what to do, God. Help us to understand your will. Give us peace if we aren't supposed to have kids. We were about two-thirds of the way through the international adoption process when we found out my wife was pregnant. Now, we have three beautiful girls that I love, and I couldn't imagine my life without them.
3: I spent that month repenting. I repented for worshiping food, for idolizing the number on the scale, for blaming my abuser. I am grateful for my back injury. As soon as I could move, I began exercising. He led me to study how he wanted me to feed my body, so I started nourishing myself. Four long years later, I had lost 100 pounds. The manager of the gym asked me if I wanted to become a fitness instructor. A year later, I became a personal trainer Now, I've lost 125 pounds. I own my own health and wellness company. I speak about health topics to hundreds of people a year and lead people on wellness retreats. I was the kid that had the note to get out of PE. God has a sense
1: of humor and he is faithful. In the midst of all the pain, I wanted God to reveal my future. Just tell me how it would all turn out. I'm so glad that he didn't, because with each obstacle that I overcame, my hope and strength in him has grown.
0: In the darkness with God, there is always a flame of hope. And however dim this flame gets, he always gazes at it. always gives his promise again Abraham David Isaiah Micah Mary your brothers and sisters who shared those testimonies are all trying to tell us the same thing you can hope in Christ all of you this morning are in some stage of hope hopelessness or hoping again so where are you? Irresistible promise, a promise faltering, a promise off the rails, or hoping again. In my family, since I was a teenager, we have always remembered these promises of God by celebrating the season of Advent. In the last several years, we've been doing this as a church. So the season of Advent is uh, four Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve, it starts tonight. Tonight is the Sunday of hope. And so we ask everyone, and particularly maybe this year, to gather together. Gather together your neighbors, gather together your friends, uh, a couple of families that you know, and do three things. First, set a mood. Set aside some time tonight, half hour, hour, and create a mood. Turn, turn off the TV, for goodness sakes. Uh, turn down the lights. If you got your Christmas tree up, turn it on. If you don't, light some candles around. Change the mood in your living room from chaos and activity to uh, mystery. So create a mood. Gather together. Second thing is to to read some prayers and some stories about who Jesus is and to light a candle, a single candle for hope. Um, To help you with that, we have uh, this prayer guide. Now, this is different than past years, so perk up. Different. This one is a prayer service that you do there in your living room, and it's got things that you read together. It's got prayers you pray together, and then different readers do things separately. So you'll want one of these for every person in your house who can read. That's the different thing. You'll want one of these for every person in your house you can, who can read, and you do these, these prayers and readings together. There's some songs in there, if that's your style, and you light the candle of hope. So set a mood Do the prayers in the candle. And then uh, stop and end it all with a special treat. Um, Let us stand together for the benediction. You've been doing a Celtic benediction for the last six months. This is from that same community, but this is one uh, just for Advent. So we'll say this together. I'll do the call, and uh, then you'll do the response. Watch and pray. Pray. Those who are longing, await His appearing. Those who listen, hear His cry. Watch, wait, listen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.